The man who is rich and idle and who, even if blasé, has no other occupation than the perpetual pursuit of happiness. The man who has been brought up amid luxury and has accustomed from his earliest days to the obedience of others. He, in short, whose solitary profession is elegance, will always and at all times possess a distinct type of physiognomy. One entirely sweet generis. <laughs> I don't know. Dandyism is a mysterious institution. No less peculiar than the duel, it is of great antiquity. Caesar, Catiline, and Alcibiades provide us with dazzling examples. In very widespread, Chateaubriard having found it in the forests and by the lake of the New World. Dandyism is an institution beyond the laws. Itself has rigorous laws which all its subjects must strictly obey, whatever their natural impetuosity and independence of character. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of Nympha Alumni. I'm Biz and I'm with Sam and Alexi. And if you couldn't tell from that passage, this week we'll be talking about dandyism. That was a reading from Charles Baudelaire's writing on the idea of the dandy. And I guess it's a pretty good definition. Yeah, he um, wrote this excellent chapter in The Painter of Modern Life, which is where he coined the term modernism and kind of defined its terms. And he had a whole chapter on the dandy and he's credited with basically like inventing the concept. There were echoes of dandies, of course, prior to Baudelaire. He had to kind of refer to something, but he really fleshed out the ideas behind it. And I must say it's, it's very relevant to the modern day and the attitudes of our contemporary conditions so. i have yeah. to say he's so nymphed alumni coded because like he is inventing this new thing but also being like it's actually always been around us so it's not new <laughs> he's so misunderstood just like us i know yeah yeah it's everywhere everywhere you look yeah it's interesting because i was actually thinking about how i don't know if you could call dandyism a fashion subculture maybe just like a fashion attitude philosophy type of person but i think it's like kind of well known relative to its actual media representation but yeah most people think of it in terms of like i guess oscar wilde so like britain and the late 18th and early 19th centuries but we found out that the idea of dandyism has extended honestly a millennia this is true. There is a, an archetype of man which embodies the dandy, and we can talk about some of its characteristics. I think generally what we think of as a dandy is defined by sort of the traditional English gentleman. It really kind of came to fruition during that era. But there's also something incredibly French about the dandy. And the modernity aspect, I think, is extremely important because something that is of the essence for the dandy is the rejection of nature, um, which was very anti-romantic. So very revolutionary for the time of Baudelaire who existed during the romantic era. A lot of people in his era kind of tried to pin him as a romantic, but he absolutely was not. One quote from his essay, the, the painter of modern life, which is in the section titled in praise of cosmetics, which is like the section that follows dandyism. It's on makeup and fashion, which is really interesting. He said, everything beautiful and noble is, is the result of reason and calculation. Crime of which the human animal has learned the taste in his mother's womb is natural by origin. Virtue, on the other hand, is artificial, supernatural, since at all times and in all place, places, gods and prophets have been needed to teach it to animalized humanity, man being powerless to discover it by himself. Evil happens without effort, naturally, fatally. Good is always the product of some art. So he has a sort of view of nature as like evil, as a corrupting force, almost like Gnostic in like a weird way. That's so interesting because thinking about different periods that referenced like um, the idea of maybe the late 19th century dandy like oscar wilde when i was researching like the the new romantics period came up a lot which we talked about in i think last generation three in terms of yeah the new romantics fashion and music movement in the 80s and the the idea of the dandy is almost like kind of nebulous in a way because obviously like the idea of new romantic is connecting back to romanticism but then i actually found this really interesting quote from 
Valerie Steele, who was speaking about the revival of dandyism. This is from a great article in The Guardian from 1988. Like the Parisians who, when they adopted dandyism in Anglomania in 1800, were confused about precisely what they were copying, the fashion designer's interpretation of the English dandy look is subject to a conveniently loose brief. Was the dandy an understated gentleman who sprang from nowhere and established himself as the social equal of princes, like Beau Brumel? Or was he the aristocratic horsey sportsman as Balzac (laughs) indicated in his treatise on the elegant life? Was he the fatal man of English romanticism? Asked Valerie Steele in her book, Paris Fashion. And I, I honestly think that is so interesting to unpack because once again going back to what i was saying at the beginning it's like i'm not sure about you guys but when i think of the dandy from without before having kind of learned more about i definitely thought about someone who was kind of like obviously it's associated with like vanity but also like a certain kind of frou-frou-ness going back to that episode just in terms of like ornamentation Mm -hmm. is that what you guys also thought of when you kind of thought about like the historical idea of the the dandy yeah, it's hard because I, like, as you mentioned, it seems like less of a fashion movement and more of just like a social posturing and just like yeah. anthropological stance that men have had. It's something that's also been reflected like less so in like photography and fashion than in like political cartoons. <laughs> yeah. You just associate it with like a certain way of like holding your body and a certain way of like interacting with people, which is really fascinating. And that's what's made it so like I was basically playing a game with my friends yesterday where we were just like throwing out names and like debating whether or not certain people through history were dandies. And it's it's all about how they act and interact with others instead of like how they dress. Like a huge part of it is obviously this like pretentiousness and appreciation for artifice which oscar wilde has like a good quote where he says the first duty in life is to be as artificial as possible what the second duty is no one has yet discovered (laughs) and so it's just like damn everyone was really on their like fake shit but i I love that celebration (laughs) of artifice like i think it's something that we can really learn from instead of like i don't don't know there's so much like return to tradition stuff right now but i'm like the tradition that you're trying to return to is literally when people were like they were low-key like accelerationists just being like we need to like approach modernity head on yeah i mean the thing is like the artifice thing i think it's very interesting because it's allowed many people who i think are historically somewhat dandy like definitely oscar wilde but it's allowed them this extreme distance from their current society whatever their society may be and it's allowed that distance has facilitated their ability to critique it so oscar wilde never really engaged very much with the ideas of becoming the ideal gentleman personally, he more just like portrayed them and satirized them. And I think like GK Chesterton is almost dandy. Like even though everything about his ideology is like diametrically opposed to dandyism, but there is, he does have like that. Maybe he might not admit it himself. He does have that like distance um, that Oscar Wilde has as well, which is why they make such interesting like enemies in history and stuff. But I think what's funny is like, I've always thought of a dandy as just kind of like a sassy guy, you know what I mean? Just like super sassy and snappy and quick-witted and can always kind of like manipulate a situation and be very distant from it. But yeah, I don't know. Like, I think that's why people tend to think of dandyism as like nihilistic because it doesn't ever engage with life. It's more of a performance for others, you know? Or it asks, yeah, there was some quote or something about how like it asks other people to kind of define you instead of you defining yourself. So I think it, there's good goods and bads where whereas like I think it's important to kind of engage with like your circumstances and fully participate yeah. in life but well you know Baudrillard apparently said that dandyism is a form of aesthetic nihilism mm-hmm. and he also said that woman is the opposite of the dandy because she is natural and vulgar <laughs> that's really funny I I would take that as a compliment as as a woman honestly so I guess what's interesting about you bringing up the idea of like the the dandy being defined outwardly. So are you guys familiar with the figure Beau Brummel? No, I, I'm not. That was a- Brummel. I'm not sure how to say it, but basically the 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 dandy is really 
and it's the i guess most typified sense is definitely english in origin and uh, a man named george brian Bo Brumel is widely considered to be kind of the first archetypal dandy. And we can talk kind of more about his life and his impact on, on men's fashion. But what I found really, really interesting about him was whilst he was really interested in obviously like the finest things, having like a real taste with everything he wore and consumed and even his grooming was quite meticulous. He was also kind of like an early minimalist in a way. Basically, his his fashion mantra urged the maximum of luxury and the service of minimal ostentation. So that's kind of like when people say less is more today. And also, there's a great quote from him that's quite interesting in relation to the stereotype of the dandy, which is like, he said that if people turn to look at you in the street, you're not well-dressed, but either too stiff, too tight, or too fashionable. Hmm. So I found it so fascinating that someone who obviously kind of opposed the stereotype of the dandy is considered to be the first real dandy that's very dandy of him because i feel like a dandy would always deny ever like being a dandy it's kind of like a hipster denies being a hipster or kind of critiques mm. hipsterism you know what i mean that that's very much they're almost like early hipsters they have that like irony and that distance yeah because they're so and like witty mm-hmm. yeah but Another quality of the dandy is like social exile. So Bo had a really magnificent life and social rank. He basically was born in Downing Street here in London to a kind of non-notable family. But through his charm and elegant way of dressing, he ended up befriending the prince of wales who was later to be the king of england and he was kind of like his patron but he was exiled in part because he lost favor with the prince Hmm. but then he also classically found himself in tons and tons of debt and fled to france lived there for a few years as a as the british consul but then he was jailed again for his debts bailed out by some charitable english friends but then he basically became he went mad and you know i don't know if this is a wives tale but they say he was you know confusing beer for champagne as someone whose whole approach to life was based off of like never drinking beer basically Mm -hmm. and then he died in an asylum and his burial was paid for by charity Oh, that's so sad. That is like such a archetype of the dandy in history type thing. They're always getting arrested. Lord Byron type shit where they just blow their fortunes on being luxurious. And I think that's like interesting because I don't know any modern equivalents to this. I'm trying to think. But I think there's a sense of like responsibility that everybody has. Like, I don't know. It's considered shameful now. I feel like we live in a place where like looking at wealth as utilitarian is considered virtuous. Whereas I think back in the day, specifically for dandies, the ideology was to kind of see money as a facilitator for experience and joy or something. I don't know how to explain it. Like I think right now it would be considered extremely sinful to waste money in the manner of the dandy. Do you know what I mean? I totally agree. I mean, yeah, you can't be a a thrifty dandy. That's just like an oxymoron. Right? It's funny. No, it's true. Yeah. It just makes me think of like um the great Gatsby. <laughs> I feel like I'm like in eighth grade, but like Gatsby's obviously like very typically dandy, but also it's like is there is there no happy ending for the dandy? Like it's kinda sad. Like I think mm-hmm. they have to have this like tragic downfall. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's almost like um being sacrificed on the altar of decadence where you maybe like people also see that as extremely romantic as because i feel like the dandy in their time people like oscar wilde lord byron they probably inspired a heavy amount of jealousy and criticism of course they did there's like endless critiques of them you know and i think that all of that bad juju from other people being incredibly envious of their decadence and seeing it as sinful maybe like I don't know maybe it actually affected their downfalls you know yeah. and people celebrated it as like a punishment for being so frivolous with money and life you know yeah um, I feel like also kind of reminds me a bit of like 
how the court jester is like a protected person within the court so they the can say privilege. Jeff, justice <laughs> privilege but they don't have that the, the dandy's privilege doesn't exist in the way that it's not like obviously it does to a certain extent informally as in they could say outrageous things or quite you know quick tongued sharp tongued things without it having like a really negative social implication but i agree probably at the end of the day the prince is still your patron and he can still choose not to patronize you anymore Mm -hmm. yeah for whatever reason champagne is i'm sorry i'm just thinking about the champagne significance like the bremel shining his shoes with champagne but also the beer champagne thing isn't that wasn't that a part of like karl lagerfeld's lore like one of his german relatives had a party for him like somewhere in random germany town and he like refused to drink beer and was like i only drink champagne and everyone made fun of him oh yeah oh, when wow. he was during his um early years when he was yeah thought it was quite strange yeah dandies have truly been the muses of this podcast thus far and it's interesting to see the origin in baudelaire's the, the painter of modern life because so many of the ideologies expressed by him mirror some of like the tiktok ideologies i see like some of like the shit that baudelaire was saying was reminding me of shira seven advice like sprinkle sprinkle shit like i don't know why i was like this is so shira seven like (laughs) what did he say it was like uh uh, he said something about um it is sad but only too true that without the money and the leisure love is incapable of rising above a grocer's orgy or the accomplishment of a conjugal duty instead of being a passionate or poetical caprice it becomes a repulsive utility and it's like very much like baudelaire has this idea that love that so <laughs> can funny. only exist if you're like rich or at least comfortable which is i think a very modern idea like i think I don't know. What do you call Sheer Seven? Like I, you know, it's it's not like a manister, but I think it's like sure. think it's like woman's. Yeah, yeah. She's a what? She's like a love cynic. Like I think she's oh, it's a cynic. Yeah. What people are saying about her is like she might tell a joke, but she'll never tell a lie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's very dandy of her. That's very That's- dandy. Also, Charles Baudelaire had this like muse that was like a mistress of. His, they had like a very lusty relationship but he also wrote a lot about prostitution which he like saw as one of the great signifiers of modernity so i think that's why it's kind of funny that to compare him with like shira seven because yeah her whole thing is like prostitution light like she's not like telling girls to i don't know yeah it's just like accepting love as inextricable from commerce but also the oh, like yeah. dandy the dandy sex worker combo or just like a dandy like manic pixie dream world combo is so timeless like i feel like that's also like oppenheimer and florence Pugh. <laughs> like, oh yeah in oppenheimer um whatever that girl's name was I, I just saw a tweet of someone being like it's so sexist that everyone refers to him as oppenheimer but refers to her as florence Pugh, like even when they're <laughs> talking about the movie and i'm like okay sorry but that is florence Pugh in there yeah you can't florence really Pugh her. is always florence pewing that's what she's really hard to do like, can you even remember the name of her character in Midsummer? Like, no, that's Florence Pugh. Yeah. Should we talk about um, modern dandyism on TikTok? I don't even know if this would be considered dandyism, but like, you know, 1940s menswear being a sort of niche aesthetic core for men on TikTok. You know what I mean? Yeah, Edward Preble. <laughs> Edward Preble. I love, yeah, his his bio 18 year old latin aspiring crooner he's like wow. this cuban american like, guy. like frank sinatra impersonator <laughs> like i don't he's understand so young mm-hmm. he's 18 yeah, actually crazy? I, i've been following him for a minute and he had this like really coquette gf but they ended up like, mm-hmm. picking up he went off to college in new york city of course like Wait, he's in new york yeah he's in new york yeah because he's literally he... gonna hire him to sing it my birthday <laughs> I yeah, this is definitely a type of modern guy. I think my whole take with this trending in menswear, and it's not trending like at a grand scale. It's definitely a niche, but the fact that this is kind of like an existing type of fashion for men indicates that I think men need like more experimental silhouettes. You know what I mean? I think that, like they are actually very limited by silhouette in fashion there's not a lot of ways of experimenting with silhouettes whereas with women you can there's endless possibilities you can cinch the waist you know you can 
you know, flare the skirt and create this sort of illusion. But with 1940s menswear and almost like dandy aesthetics, you can really create very bizarre shapes with your clothing. Like I realized while I was thinking about this that the term square, you know, like whenever people say like, oh, that person is square, it's hip to be square. It, it refers to like men whose suits are so well tailored. It makes their bodies look square. And I was like, oh, like, I, f- I feel like that's what it refers to, right? Like, is that, that maybe, sense, maybe, yeah. I, maybe I, I made it up. I thought it was, like, square, like, you're, you're just. Yeah, they're just. Um, too many edges. Rule followers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Following the lines, not coloring outside print. the lines. Yeah. Square would make sense as well. But not to bring up Oppenheimer again, like, my favorite movie. But <laughs> he, people, I think, were having a lot of, like, menswear thoughts about how Killian Murphy looked and, like, how the Oppenheimer suit is so bizarrely proportioned. Like, the pants are super high. He has this, like, tiny, tiny waist. The tie is also, like, not full length. It's, like, a short, mm-hmm. fat tie. And it's like, whoa, you kind of forget the, the geometry of them. Like, even just tweaking it a little bit makes it look so different and, like, cartoonish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, these, these are things where I feel like can be really beneficial for men that want to experiment with fashion. Like, like wearing suits and stuff is a really good place to start because you can really experiment with the size of your body and like, yeah, like um they ha- they can go through like the suffering of women whenever like the lengths of things like matter and you know like they be creating illusions about the lengths of your yeah. limbs. The yeah. So yeah. what we're talking about, Sam, with like kind of the the reduction of elements that men can play around with in fashion, dandyism was actually like a reaction to that yeah. um, because. Basically, after, like, the French and American revolutions, uh, there was kind of, like, a decline of the aristocratic, extravagant, flamboyant style in menswear. Specifically, with British menswear, there was, like, a growth of a new British style that was much more simple and structured and understated and monochromatic um, and, like, abandoned the basically the extravagance of pre-revolutionary fashions. And there's a very interesting quote from a psychologist named John Carl Flugel, who dubbed the gradual process of simplification in men's dress as the great masculine renunciation, where men's fashion became inspired by social equality following the revolutions. And so then it became way less extravagant and um, like ex- excessive grooming became regarded as a feminine trait. And then we saw people like Brummel reject that. But now we've gone to a point where, like, even a simple suit is can be, like, indicative of yeah. dandyism. You know what I no, mean? No, it's true. I mean, men, menswear has been dominated by casual forms of dress for far too long. You know, this, the spirit of the 90s skater has, like, never left menswear whatsoever for, like, the past – Has it, how long has it been? Like, 30 years since the 90s? Like, you know, it's really kind of overtaken menswear for a long time and has reduced the creativity of it greatly you know um and so i i think men just kind of want to be in denial of like mm-hmm. having a body like the fact is I that agree. there's a huge variance in the shapes of men's bodies and to like limit it down to like three sizes mm-hmm. is kind of insane but it's also definitely like a a cost cutting thing like t-shirts will fit people no matter what but when it comes to like a suit it's also oh, really yeah. hard to do that yeah i mean i used to be like a a henchman and i would like have to measure men all the time it's just so much it actually is still so much easier for men to find clothes to their measurements because it's like your neck your chest you know those precise measurements the length of your arm it's it's just things that women's clothes aren't measured by so i still am like you guys are fucking losers if you can't make it work with all yeah, that. Yeah, women have way more variation in shape than men do. I always think about this because I'm I just it's so easy to kind of like wear certain things as a man and women have like a lot more variation in shape and like every yeah, there's it's like a meme at this point where every woman, if you go in her closet, she has like every every possible clothing size in there, like size small, medium and large. Like actually, you know, it's like all every there's nothing that is like a standardized size. It's yeah, not there's standardized, no standardized size yeah. for women and men can kind of be like XL t-shirt and like it fits, you know, perfectly. Yeah. And I guess women's wear would just be really different if it was like measured by if you're buying shirts that mm-hmm. measured like your bust and then like also your yeah. neck size. But that's <laughs> obviously for coll- for collared shirts. Um, I, yeah, I love the idea of men knowing those like vital me- mm-hmm. measurements. 
um, and being able to like take them with them yeah. to go shopping. Agreed. Um, you guys want to talk about like Savile Row? Have we talked about um, the the TikTok Savile Row man? Oh yeah. Oh. Um. Wait, yeah. we're not talking about like one in Singapore, right? Uh, I don't know if he's is he in Singapore? Is it the guy who's like Sam, Sam Taylor? Is he in Singapore? I'm pretty. Oh no, he's yeah. in Hong Kong, I think. Oh, I thought he was in um in England because he's no. That's the crazy thing about it is that he like people come from all around the world to this like shop. But I think he has. I think he was trained in Savile Row. He's like Probably. British Indian. I yeah, there was like photos circulating of him with like Jeffrey Epstein and like Bill Clinton, which is like super random. <laughs> I think I saw that like on TikTok, um, or something like that. Yeah, he's yeah done he did suits for, for like all of the big. All of the big names in the nefarious corners of the aristocracy or something. Um, which is, yeah, very sad to hear. <laughs> oh, he's like a cool guy. I don't know. He seems like the best example of like the mass appeal of yeah. dandy. Oh, definitely. Now, For sure. Yeah, it's it's really enlightening to me to see these like young Chinese boys coming in and wanting their like first suit, or it's it's very obviously like professional young people who are coming in and like going through this rite of passage wait okay the shop was founded by sam melwani in 1957 this was after he signed a contract to produce the uniforms of british soldiers stationed in hong kong so it was like whoa like part of the military industrial complex um makes sense all of these american presidents uk prime ministers they've dressed george michael our favorite he was honored with a postage stamp on the 50th founding of their anniversary oh wow how impressive he definitely has the dandy mm-hmm. quick-wittedness which is like i guess crucial to his content being so viral on tiktok yeah we are perpetually drawn to people who can speak in quippy phrases you know this is why twitter is like such a failure now because it used to be a place where people could kind of express their quippy phrases but it just devolved into a place where people tried to like express actual like ideas with a lack of decorum and a lack of charm, you know? Yeah. They're like, it lost its whimsy. And so now it just became a place where like people's complex thoughts are just like shortened down. This is why, you know, it seems surprising that Sam's Taylor has this like really raunchy social media strategy, but it's actually like the most mm-hmm. traditional thing ever. Like in, I feel like in these really high end circles, there's nothing more valuable than someone who can get a laugh out of you. And it's like mm-hmm. quick on their feet. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the idea of having, like, a rye butler. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically that. But I, I wonder if he, like, was always saying these things to his clients, like, about their tight asses, like, their tight American asses, or if this was simply for TikTok. I mean, I'm sure he was always quite funny and, like, you know, he, had, he could speak quite playfully with his clients. I, I did see one video where he was doing, like, a FaceTime consultation with this like old guy from south carolina biz no that's so funny like i don't know who this guy was i tried to look him up i think he's just like a lawyer or something but he was like yes sam's been making my suits like and it 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 does speak to this idea of like you can literally send your measurements to someone like completely around the world and they can send you back Mm -hmm. a suit that is like perfect for you yeah literally in hong kong well suit makers in general i think have been um always portrayed as a little bit perverse in like a funny way because I think it's quite awkward for men to go in and get their measurements taken because they're being kind of patted down and like you know fondled essentially and so I guess to make it less awkward to have this like stranger kind of like fondle your body is like you kind of play into it and just laugh and tell like raunchy jokes to kind of cut the tension and not make it seem I don't know that somehow bizarrely makes it less awkward you know with them being like let me touch your tight butt man like or something like that yeah. yeah, they can't be like, oh, may I touch you here? Is that okay? Yeah, gotta, I know. Yeah, I like, know. He's gotta go for it. That's true. It's like it's kind of like locker room antics. Yeah. It's also like, kind of like ballet class. Like I've been going to ballet and like the the aggressive touching that I've been receiving. <laughs> it's been great. Yeah. Like it's only weird if you if you like act weird about yeah. it, but that's why like his whole thing of like violating people. Like I think it really it strikes fear in zoomers because they've never seen people act like that. <laughs> They don't have boomer parents is why. They never had to, like, deal with, like, their boomer parents' boomer friends that just act like this regularly. Yeah. Yeah. I um, befriended a man in my neighborhood recently. Like, I sat down to dinner at a local restaurant, and he was sitting next to me, and he, like, struck up a conversation. 
And I honestly can't divulge too many details about him on the podcast because he's way too easy to find out, I think. But yeah, he just his quick wittedness, he's of he's definitely has dandy attributes mm-hmm. and he's English and very, very, very English. Like imagine like Sean Connery as Bond, but obviously older now. And I was like, his his quick wittedness like overwhelmed me. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, I was like almost like, whoa! I I, my fight or flight kicked in. Yeah, not just because it was a man talking to me like randomly, (laughs) but I was like, I was like, oh my god! Like I'm like, I don't know if I'm up for it. I don't know if I'm, if I'm enough. Oh yeah, basically, (laughs) you are enough. You are enough. Thank you. Thanks. That's the thing about these types of like interactions with with a true dandy. Like it makes you feel you're their victim. Yeah. Well, that but. (laughs) Yeah, there's there's something really gratifying about it, like about keeping up with a good conversation. Um, um. Oh, I was just gonna say. I mean, I believe I've sh- we've shared our theory around like the social value of the ham. Oh yeah. Uh, with oh my god, the ham dandy combo. The ham dandy combo, and the dandy is not the ham. No, it's not. But the dandy serves a similar importance i would say i think the ham is the only person that the dandy truly respects you know is what the I mean? ham is yeah. the ham like i think the dandy lacks respect for everybody but whenever he sees the ham he he sees like a, a kindred spirit they're like twin flames or something you know what i mean i feel like there's some kind of cartoon that has this like combination Alexi, I can't believe you just sent us street corn deviled eggs on the <laughs> chat, like in the middle of this conversation. I just want you guys to know what I'm looking at. This, this is, looks so good. Oh my god, it looks so good. That is oh. crazy. Okay. We can put it in the description. <laughs> yeah. No, guys, we need to share this recipe with you. Oh this god. is crazy street this... corn deviled eggs. <laughs> like Instagram reel, like freaky food thing. Like, Sam, I, don't know. I had a michelada for the first time <gasps> yesterday. I was just talking about those yesterday. Oh my god. They're I like, liked it. It's a stunt. I... It's like mm-hmm. a stunt for sure. I was I said I just, someone asked me what it was afterwards because I was running my mouth about it around town. And I was like, it's like a seasoned beer, which is basically what it is. It's just yeah. beer that's seasoned. Yeah. Yeah, it has my recipe for them is very unique. It's actually my friend who has a restaurant bar. I gave him my recipe and he adopted oh, wow. this recipe and now sells them on the menu. I oh my God. have like a very specific michelada recipe. Can you tell us what it is as a quick side? Yeah, I can, I can do a little a aside. So the way that you do it, you kind of get a Mexican beer. I prefer Pacifico or like Negro Modelo. Mm. And... I use two limes in it. I use like a big cup and like I do two limes and then I do magi, like the salsa magi. Oh just, just, like like magi seasoning. It's like an Indian. Um, just do like maybe like five or six pumps of that and then equal amount of Worcester sauce, Tabasco, and then you kind of like put a little bowl of chamoy and dip. Well, this is, you do the bowl of chamoy and kind of like rim it with tahini. You dip it in the chamoy and then in the tahini. You do that before, obviously, and then you mix it all in and then you just add the beer and that's it. I don't add clamato. Or any type of tomato thing. It's, like, not really my thing. I like making cubanos, which is, like, you know, if you wanted to add clamato, you could just add that in, like, at your discretion. But that's how I do it. That Um, sounds really good. You got to do the upside-down beer bottle in it. I think that is the finishing touch. That's crazy. Yeah, or, like, a big, like, mango popsicle in it. It's so good. Are you supposed to drink a michelada out of a straw? Um... Because if if you don't want the salted rim, then you could, yeah. I was just wondering, because I got one at an institution where you probably shouldn't get one <laughs> and i felt like there's a lot of um separation between the beer itself and the seasoned mixture mm-hmm. and so i was wondering if a straw would help with that but maybe it's just because it was obviously not from sam's kitchen you know what i mean uh-huh. it was from sam's London kitchen town. Yeah, no, the, yeah. the the straw helps with just mixing it, I think. I think it's important to add a straw so you can kind of continuously mix it or whatever. Because if you drink it from yeah. a straw, you just get – you don't get any of the beer. You just get, like, the the seasoned mixture and, you know, then you don't really get, like, the like, yeah, full experience true. and stuff. I've been to places where they add vinegar to, like, what I just described. Um, mm. And that's really good. Um, it's not the way like I the, do it. But the fish and chips version. 
Yeah, I feel like yeah, Britain might be able to embrace it if they add like vinegar to it, you know, like malted vinegar. Yeah, it does have a certain beans for breakfast type absurdity to it. It mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. For the love of savoriness. Yeah. yeah. It's, and adding like extra nutrients to a beer or like adding extra. The nutritionally enriched beer. <laughs> 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 no, but like, why is that? That's like what I thought. I was like, oh my God, this is my health tonic. Yeah, it feels that way. And also, like, I like them too because. They're very filling and you can keep drink. You can't like drink them all in one go because they're quite spicy and overwhelming. So you kind of sip on them for hours and like you could literally just have one beer for the entire night because like it takes it's a long time to drink it. I like that. Yeah, it's very like a moderate drinking core. Um, but I've been I've had to stop drinking them because my stomach hurts. <laughs> like yeah, it stop. Like, like seems hurt like something you could get an ulcer from. Yeah. Sorry to derail us from, no, okay. from the true purpose of our <laughs> to derail us from our true purpose of like deviled eggs and enchiladas. Um, do you guys think that it's possible to have dandy behavior online? Like, is there anyone you know who's like posting in a dandy way? It's only like old people. Like, you know, um, yeah. There's this. One account that comes to mind, which is an old person, it's Freck Vreeland, who's Deanna Vreeland's son, who's in his 90s. Oh. He has a bit of a dandyish, you know, who has actually a dandyish energy hmm. besides not maybe physically being a dandy? Mr. Balthazar. Mr. Oh, oh, yeah. Kevin, Kevin McNally. Not Kevin. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it was not Kevin. What's his name? Keith, Keith, Keith. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, he does have dandy energy. Yeah. He's so, like, um, out of it. Like, he's truly, like, in his own world, not part of society. He, yeah, he's constantly shaming his employees publicly in, like, weird ways. But, like, kind of low-key being nice about it, too. I don't know. Yeah, and I feel like he's a great observer of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has the perfect amount of, like, toxicity required to be a dandy, I think. Mm-hmm. And he's British, so. He is British, yeah. Yeah, yeah and he has a French restaurant, so it's very dandy. British and French. Yeah, you know, yeah it's like the weird, the there was, like, Anglophilia in France and then Francophilia in England. Mm-hmm. Like, why don't you guys just combine? Britain has made an enemy out of France. I, I, I have always heard this. I've never... Not that close to it, but I thought Britain made an enemy out of France, much like France made an enemy out of America, you know? Mm. I think they just, yeah, perpetual beefing, you know? But um, who else? Someone young. I mean, I feel like we have a couple people that we know who are guys who are really into this movie, this side of menswear. Like... Would you say Ethan, Alexi, or would you actually? Yeah, no, I think he's he's a total dandy, and he, yeah, and not not in style only, but he does have a certain effervescence in person and like ability to bring people together. But I think maybe he's too nice to be true dandy. I feel like the thing about the dandy is that they definitely suffer; they mentally suffer. Yeah, but it's about them channeling it into their art or their interesting observations on society. And when you can't do that, you have failed the project. Mm-hmm. Well, the th- yeah, that's the thing is like um, a dandy is always people are always trying to kill the vibe of a dandy. They're jailing them. They're put. They're exiling them. Exiling them. Sentencing them to work camps like Oscar Wilde. You know, they're always probably, like yeah. Debt collectors are probably going crazy for dandies. <laughs> yeah, debt collectors hate dandies. Oh my god, I can't wait to. At the end, we definitely need to do a dandy hall of fame and each give one favorite mine's gonna be like deviled eggs <laughs> <laughs> that's a little dandy snack i know i mean i feel like i do know some guys and i what's the difference between a guy who's obsessed with his appearance and fashion because i do know some guys who are like kind of charming and are obsessed with fashion but i feel like being grunge can make you undandyish. no exactly i also think that drinking obviously seems like a big part of, of dandyism but Obviously, just, like, drinking champagne and, like, getting so drunk that you, like, talk shit about people and not, like... Danny would never try to fight someone at a party, right? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think they they would instigate a fight. Yeah. They would instigate a fight, but then they would, like, obviously not participate. They would definitely stir the pot. Um, Yeah. And I think while people are dancing, they would maybe be standing to the side and talking. 
I feel like the they'd be really insecure about their body in motion and they wouldn't want to sweat. Yeah, no, that's oh my god, wait, I'm actually so dandy when I think about it. You know? That's you why know I hate I mean? the beach. Dandies okay. do there is like a female dandy. I mean, yeah, we should talk about maybe like the Robert Green seduction archetype dandy. Wait, I actually love the description of this. It says a dandy is essentially a radical who doesn't conform to tradition and often relies on insolence to attract the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're like they are mischievous hooligans, but they're fancy is the important part. You know, they're fancy hooligans, basically. And I also think the insolence part is very interesting because like to be a dandy, you must obviously understand social dynamics and like you understand etiquette and you're not like straight up ignorant. But I think that insolence comes from like knowing the rules so well that you can break them and be cheeky. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what um, Camus was talking about dandies being kind of nihilistic. And the way he described it is basically like as like aesthetic edgelords or contrarians, like someone like diametrically opposed to both like society and the state of nature. And so they have to like shock and perform to differentiate themselves. He has this quote that said, dandies are perpetually incomplete, always on the fringe of things. He compels others to create him while denying their values. He plays at life because he is unable to live life. So it's like this sort of puppeteer kind of Wizard of Oz, like man behind the curtain type thing where you have full control over everything, but just never feel fully connected to it. You never fully participate in it. It's actually quite quite tragic. It's like a very tragic archetype, you know? The tragedy of the dandy is really, it makes me sad. We should leave in that part that we were talking about when when Sammy went to the bathroom, because we were talking about how like the dandy, like, yeah, they're, they're too afraid to dance. You know, they're afraid of sweating. They're afraid of people seeing their body in motion. So they're kind of off the side of the dance floor. Yeah, they're like, they're very, they're sneering and kind of telling jokes and kind of pointing out interesting people in the crowd. I mean, I, yeah, that there's definitely even phases of my life when I've been more dandy-esque, but I think right now, I don't know, I'm kind of very, I don't know, I'm feeling more participatory. But that's the great fantasy of dandyism is like being in something while also being on the outside. Like you're both the most important person in the room and also like an observer. It's such a delicate balance. Yeah, but it just, it seems like a very lonely existence and very unfulfilling. Literally being a popular loner. <laughs> yeah, it's like very unfulfilling, I feel like, you know? Like, um, I don't know, that was a, a what, one of the greatest beefs between G.K. Chesterton and, and Oscar Wilde or whatever. There's like all these fake famous quotes that they would always throw jabs at each other. But G.K. Chesterton would always critique. I always see them as like equals. They also are like twin flames almost. Mm-hmm. But... G.K. Chesterton was very critical of Oscar Wilde because he saw him like as extremely frivolous and not seeing like the eternity in things. He has this quote about like the how Oscar Wilde cannot like appreciate the like eternal rose or whatever. And he kind of like uh, he's very like stop and smell the roses, but like he can't like appreciate the rose of eternity or whatever. The rose of eternity. Something like that. I don't know. It's like a, he he doesn't like engage in like the abundance of spirit you know it's like almost like he he's too distant from like the core of life you know i don't know it's like a a slave to the external yeah which is beautiful you know in in a lot of ways but yeah it's it's definitely a golden cage dandyism it sucks because i feel like there's so many of these aesthetic categorizations now i think we should maybe do consider doing a part two on like beauty pseudoscience because it's evolved so much I think someone messaged us asking us to cover some of the more nefarious. crazy, <laughs> yeah, nefarious derivations of that. Yeah, some of what's coming up now just seems so like, like I don't know, like Robert Greene was like writing whole books, like elaborating this, but now people are, it's gone the way of like blueberry milk nails or like people are just making shit up. Mm-hmm. But I, that's why I think it's so interesting though, because like yeah. I feel like if you were to see yourself as a dandy it had a code of conduct but now if you're like if you're putting yourself in one of these archetypes it's truly like mumbo jumbo i've always noticed this sort of parallel with 19th century western society and and modernity is you know obviously in the 19th century a lot of english literature kind of portrays this there's this enormous transformative technological change which is very large and industrialism urbanization or whatever and when these large technological changes occur there's like this reorganization of like class structures and new archetypes try to enter in and people really try to intellectualize them because society is so heavily material and I think like yeah and that was kind of like the right that was like when the dandy was introduced and all these different archetypes and all these different 
codes of behavior, you know, like the Victorian gentleman and manners and like, you know, these plays, what what are they like? Uh, comedies of manners, mm-hmm. you know, started oh, emerging yeah. and yeah. And then like uh, men of letters started emerging. And I think we are seeing something like a parallel right now just because of the internet digitized society. And there's like these new types of like reorganization of class structures, you know, like, um, I don't know. There's like these new, like there's new types of classes I feel like that are emerging that we haven't fully fleshed out or articulated yet. And so we're kind of obsessed with categorizing everything because we can't really make sense of the world. It feels very incoherent to us mm-hmm. thus far. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Do you guys think there's any like male celebrities that really speak to the idea of the modern dandy? Maybe Alexi from your, your conversation mm-hmm. with your friends yesterday? <sighs> I okay. It's literally a fictional character, but the the one who I I choose to enshrine in the Dandy Hall of Fame. I don't know. We were talking about like Timothy Chalamet, but you would think he's a dandy. Like I think he could just really play one. Yeah, I don't think he truly is one. Like he wants to play basketball. I agree. Yeah. I agree. He has the bra girl deep inside him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got that swag era millennial. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think he likes Kush too much. He likes like smoking weed and. Yeah snapbacks i could see a dandy being a stoner if they were doing it in like an opium den type of way yeah i could see that for sure yeah but i feel like timothy's not doing it that way yeah yeah he he he's like a weed dealer that got famous you know he's like a random skinny dealer you know i mean Um, even thinking about when he hosted or co-hosted co-chaired the met gala a couple years ago which was the america (laughs) theme he wore like Hyder ackerman sweatpants i think as part of his look which I feel like is him being like, I don't want to be your little dandy slut. But he always <laughs> looked like that, anyways. He like, what? He, what did he, didn't he wear a backless top recently? Like, yeah, he did. It was like a, it was like a see through mesh, like kind of like I think it had yes. pussy bow on it. Like, did it not? It did. Am I like, <laughs> yeah? Is, is that not the Ackerman thing that he wore? Like that weird halter top? I think he wore. It may have been Ackerman, but oh, I never I think he wore now, that yeah. to the Met Gala. Mm. Harry Styles is definitely not a dandy. Yeah, no. he wants to be so bad. God, yeah, yeah. And why? Been... Why isn't he, guys? Let's talk about it because he has the he 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 really has the superficial fixings of someone who would be a modern dandy. I think it's just it's the in it's it's not it's artificial, but not in like the dandy way. You know, like it's artificial and it just doesn't seem genuine um and i think he like deep down wants to do like the 70s rock star thing yeah but he doesn't have the like he doesn't have charisma he seems a bit sincere he seems to not have very much appreciation for artifice and irony like as a person i think he's very sincere and not and that's why a lot of his fans appreciate about him i think is Mm -hmm. that he's very throwing caution to the wind or something and not caring what other people think about him. But like, he's definitely not an ironic sort of puppeteer. He's almost like a, is the butt of the joke and doesn't mind being so. He finds it enjoyable and in a weird way. I think of him as really slow witted. Yeah. Like I don't think of him as sharp. No. Yeah. But I think he's also a bit aloof from the public as well. It's because he can't, fucking kick it like i think that every, he can't kick it everything mm-hmm. about him that's like seems withdrawn or mysterious it's because he's lacking confidence and charisma like yeah that's why he can't do like talk shows it's just yeah yeah he can't kick it. i don't want to be at a party with him like i just know he he's not made for it he's not cut off for it um i also feel like something about him is also very masculine to me in a way that like is very anti-androgynous like i feel like something about like he has a yeah, very he's not truly androgynous that's like no. a thing that, that's why it looks like he's playing dress up um i think he doesn't carry himself in like a, a true androgyny way and i like don't he, think he i don't even to. know if he could if, yeah if he's not commit he's not committed i think he has this like Serge Gainsbourg like hatchet face type thing that he could really embrace and use. Yeah, to... yeah, I think he could be a total like Western style like handsome rugged guy. Mm-hmm. But he's just not doing it. I don't know. No, he's not. Yeah. Also, because the dandy was also really committed to grooming, and I know that Harry Styles has made endeavors, capital endeavors, into the grooming space by creating skincare <laughs> and nail polish, but. It just doesn't seem like his real passion, like to mm-hmm. be honest. Yeah, I would I would like to offer you guys an idea. Please. Go ahead. So I think that we could 
I was thinking about like the dandy as a humorist, mm-hmm. which is actually how this man I met on the street the other day introduced himself as Whoa. a humorist. He said he was a humorist. Oh my yes. god! I have to tell you guys my about him king. later. Oh my god! I, I know. Him. No, he's really special. But um, I think there can be this like the sleaze, the raunch, and the dandy because. Mm. I think the dandy would be a great alternative for people who aren't wanting to like swivel their hips around in the sleaze way. And let's be honest, not everyone can pull off a raunchy joke. Mm -hmm. And the dandy is just something a bit colder that might be something to explore for people. I mean, maybe... I don't know if this is true, but I'm just thinking... I don't think they're mutually exclusive do you do you guys think there's like a something about dandies that's a bit sexless or that's that's what i was gonna say like they're not like the i think they can be raunchy but they're not like red-blooded hot-blooded you know like red-faced men yeah but their knowingness like obviously they know sex they're like the type of people yeah everything is about sex but like not really i think it's their their elevation like they're they're above it Mm-hmm. But they're interested in other people's sex lives. Just <laughs> that's true. Well, it's like the Karl Lagerfeld thing, right? Where he's like, there's something weirdly asexual about him, even though all he thinks about is sex. You know, mm-hmm. like in, as this fashion designer is trying to kind of frame people as being sexy. But like, there's almost yeah. Like I feel like Karl Lagerfeld is a very good example of a dandy because there is something like weirdly sexist and asexual about him. We've talked about this on, on the mm-hmm. episode we covered him, but. Yeah, like the love of his life that he never had sex with. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like uh, I think that that could be possible. Like I'm trying to think of a, but I mean Oscar Wilde was a very well. He was like a romantic. I don't know if that was like hot blooded, like horny. You know, he was more writing odes to his lover. Who was that guy? I don't remember. He's like my beautiful boy. Like whatever. <laughs> like just writing. I just think dandies won't let their lives be ruled by such impulses. Impulses, like, they're definitely pleasure-driven and hedonistic, but I think not in in that way. The pleasure yeah. in question is champagne, so... Yeah. yeah. I think if you're a dandy, you're ultimately, like, really interested in control. Yeah. Because that's, like, what it takes, is, like, being able to control your appearance and um, your grooming at a really high standard. Was the... Uh, Baudelaire called it the high spirituality of the toilette. Hmm. Yeah, but it's weird because, like, men's... I was actually thinking about the rise of men's grooming content in relation to Brummel because he was actually very... um, Once again, this could be a bit of a myth, but at the time when he was finding his own style, it was when it was really common just to wear lots of perfume to cover up odors rather than bathing daily. And he was like, nah, we got to take a bath. (laughs) every day and so he started doing that and apparently it caught on as a trend and you know that seems like a crazy way for baths to become more common that's crazy dandy's invented bathing someone being like people shower because it's a trend you guys remember that oh wait that's really funny that's really really funny that's exactly what's going on yeah but men's grooming content i don't like it have you guys seen this Yes, yes we have. talked about it with Liam. Yeah, it just makes me feel weird because I don't like the idea of like, sh- of like it just it doesn't give me the ick. Like it's a even more like like it's like sensory triggering to me. Like the idea of shaving your face like that. Like you know when people mm. do it in movies. Like I just I get really scared. One time I think I tried um my or what is it di- dermablading on mm. myself and yeah it was a horrific and like very it felt like um detonate like a what do you call it? Like kind of a disarming a bomb, you know, just having yeah. like blades that close to your face and yeah, like the sound and like the hair kind of collecting oh is, is, it is, it is a very strange sensory experience. I have like asked to shave people's faces before. Like I tried to shave my boyfriend's face with like a, cause I was like, how do you do this or whatever? And he was like, hell no. I don't know. Um, eh, me. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I wouldn't let my girl save my face either. I would like. I no. It's one of those things like putting on mascara where it's like it. You it just like the mechanics of it just all works better if you DIY it. Yeah. yeah. Also, like we 
cut ourselves an accident when we're shaving our legs. Oh, yeah. So, I don't know. We need those anesthesiologist hands. Yeah, surgical precision, yeah. Wait, guys, I have to leave kind of soon. Oh. That's fine. I feel like we've been recording for a while. Wait, you can go on without me. No, we want, we want you here, yeah. Any final thoughts? I don't know. To me, something feels so tragic about the dandy. Like, I can't stop thinking about how, like, it is quite tragic to not ever feel overcome with the passion of life and just letting yourself renounce control to the sort of waves of the universe or something. Like, I just, like, I, I don't know. I'm someone who really appreciates feeling kind of, like, that renouncement of control. It just feels mm-hmm. – maybe I'm just, like, very – maybe I'm just not a dandy or something. Because but... I'm literally a dandy. This is all it's, – it's hitting really close to home. Really? Kind of. Yeah. But we we need dandies, dude. <laughs> we need dandies. We need girl dandies. <laughs> but also, if you have true friends, I think that is what keeps you from meeting the the tragic dandy fate. Like the the popular loner vibe of just being like, oh, I'm like always out. Like everyone wants to know me, but like no one really knows me. Like, I don't mm-hmm. feel that way necessarily. Um, yeah, That's ground good. yourself with an elite circle of fellow dandies <laughs> Dude. I actually don't you know who my favorite dandy is though I will say before we go yeah. fictional Chuck Bass oh yeah yes yeah. yeah he's an amazing dandy and he's so like even his like facial posturing is just like it's such a joke and his like nostrils I think having nostrils like that is like number one dandy physiognomy trait um yeah two I, I just this just came upon me but I think Dean Kissick is like the, the one true dandy I know. Really? Yeah. But he's also British, so maybe that's just, like, why I'm thinking that. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. like, I'm having a hard time differentiating, like, British people from just, or British men from just true dandies. It must be just ingrained in the culture, I think. Dean's, like, but. a good storyteller. Like, I feel like that's a good quality to have in this, in this role. Yeah. That's true. And he's, he's uh, interested in aesthetics, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he just he says like absurd things a lot and everyone's like Mike i don't Dorp. know yeah he he's a big fan of provocateurship in public settings mm. yeah i would say his his twitter has some dandyish qualities oh yeah he's for sure an, an online dandy poster yeah because hmm. he's like weird like a lot of, yeah like he speaks with like, the extreme thing, like, precision proper, yeah and um, in a way that I've probably never seen someone speak on Twitter before. Which yeah, it's quite is intense. Cool. Yeah, yeah, he, he's going in our Dandy Hall of Fame for sure. Yeah, <laughs> him, Chuck Bass, Karl Lagerfeld, mm. Sam Oscar Wilde, Oscar Wilde. I don't know. <laughs> Baudelaire. Who else? I don't know. Edward Preble. Edward Preble. <laughs> Sam Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, we're missing like a some huge gap of here. history. That yeah, Julius can... Caesar was a dandy. Hold on, wait, dandies in history. Let's just like name these <laughs> uh, as like a way to wrap them up. Uh, wrap this episode up. Let me say famous dandies. Wow, there's like not really a list that I can find. Someone needs to make this listicle for please. Like, um... yeah, we should have voting for. We need to vote <laughs> one dandy for each decade. We'll do that in the Discord. Yeah, that is so true. Okay, I found one. Um, Sebastian Horsley. I don't know who the fuck that is. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, whatever. Uh, someone said Russell Brand. Mm. Oh, fuck oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Mad Hatter. Like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> no. I feel like there is, like, yeah, because I feel okay, like Okay, but Willy Wonka is a dandy. Yeah. yeah. We have to do, we do have to kind of differentiate, though, because, like, Willy Wonka being a dandy has confused people into thinking, like, dandyism is, like, equivalent to steampunk. But it's, like, not. They're so diametrically opposed, you know? They are. Um, Alfred Douglas, but, yeah, that was just, that was... Awesome. Yeah, Harry Styles is on this list. I wonder who this dandy president is. I think Barack Obama has some dandyish qualities, actually. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. I did see like a video of him. Oh, his like bisexuality that recently came yeah. out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah that's right. And I but like, he was flirty. That... He was like weirdly flirty for president. Yes, he's like, he's yeah. really coquettish. Yeah. yeah. They said Kanye West is considered a dandy. Oh, I think this Kanye. Is an... Oh, my God. Kanye <laughs> yeah. is definitely a dandy. Actually, I, when yeah. we first talked about this episode, I was like, oh, we should probably talk about him. Yeah, he is very dandy. Um, like Andre three thousand, total dandy, very much a dandy. Pharrell, Dan. <laughs> Pharrell, Pharrell is Pharrell a dandy? Like I think he is. Yeah, I kind of think he's. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's, if I subscribe to Kanye as a dandy. I'm not gonna lie. I think he just had a really long 
history of being a dandy and then he kind of like when he stopped being a dandy is like when everything started going downhill for him you know yeah we need to re-dandify like 808s and heartbreaks era was very dandy like oh my god is drake a dandy he yes but he's trying to suppress it but it's like he is so overwhelmingly (laughs) dandy that like it just comes out and everyone's like yeah he's trying to suppress his dandy like nature you know we can't let that happen no we can't okay i like i need to go okay okay all right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Yeah. yeah. Tell us who your favorite dandies are. I'm sure we have some blind spots here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah. And yeah, keep the dandyism alive. Support your local dandy. <laughs> support Alexi. Yeah, support, support Alexi. Me. Okay. Well, love you guys. Um, yeah. Go. 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 Tailor your suits. Go be square. Um, whoa. Well, Biz is left. <laughs> All right, well. All right, well, we're wrapping this one up. Okay. Okay, cool. Bye. Bye. Have a good day, Lexi. Me too.